0: You are listening to Stitchwish Radio, a podcast for crafting your own magic and threads. I'm your host, textile artist, author, and teacher, Christy Johnson. Hey there, and welcome back to Stitchwish Radio. I'm your host, textile artist, author, and teacher, Christy Johnson. It feels really weird to say author in there. I was like, what am I even talking about? Uh... (laughs) I am, in fact, an author. That's wild. Um, Anyways, I just want to apologize for being a little late on the podcast. Um, I took a little bit of my own advice and I paused on a topic that I wasn't that passionate about. Basically, I had an idea for what this week's podcast would be and I had written notes on it and when i went to record it this weekend i was like you know what i don't i just i really don't feel like this is what i want to talk about i have this whole other idea of creative intimacy that is really just boiling up and just needs to come out so i kind of had to like scrap the first idea or at least put it away for a little while and go with what i was really feeling and go with what i was really passionate about and that's something that i highly recommend as an artist and as a teacher like if you're just really feeling from the depths of your soul that there's something that you need to explore further but you feel like you're supposed to be working on this other thing because you've already invested all this time and all this energy into this other thing um maybe go with what speaks to your soul I don't know it's always worked out for me so um That's what I'm going to do now. So I want to take this episode to really expand upon something that Haley and I were talking about in our last episode. And Haley said something like, make art that you don't show anybody like having an intimacy with your artwork is pretty sexy. And so I want to talk in this episode about making art that doesn't get seen by others. And I'm not saying that it never gets seen by others, but at least, at the very least, giving your creative practice the space to exist without external input can be so encouraging. It can be really rewarding. It can also, like, give you the space to move through different concepts and really see what your voice is with the materials you're working with. So let's talk about a few different ways to explore this theme of creative intimacy. So this is something that I definitely recommend if you are exploring a new medium or if you are trying to take on new projects or something that you may maybe in a material that you haven't worked with before. So for example, I, If you've listened to past episodes, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but I went to a magnet arts high school for painting. So magnet arts schools in the US are, um, they are usually public schools, so you don't have to pay to get in, but you do have to um, apply and like... You basically have to go through a juried system to get into the school. So you have to um, it's kind of like college and high school all in one (laughs) where you um, have to do some drawings or if you're in the music department, you would have to play some music for the for the teachers um, to let them know how serious you are. Now, and in hindsight, I realized I was like, oh, I actually didn't pass. Um, <laughs> I didn't get in the school the first time I got waitlisted um, and I just happened to get chosen on the waitlist. Um, so it was kind of total luck that I was able to get into these, into this magnet school, um, which is great because otherwise I totally would have dropped out of college. I mean, I totally would have dropped out of high school. I can guarantee you that if I had not gone to an arts school. Anyways, back to the story, Christy. <laughs> um, so I was basically like professionally trained for one year of middle school and my four years of high school. I spent probably an hour, at least an hour a day working on painting. By the time I was a junior and a senior, that was much more of the chunk of my day in school was spent working on paintings. Um, so I'm pretty natural with acrylics or I was at one point in my life, but, um, I kind of stepped out of that, um, studying fashion and then working in the fashion industry. I didn't really use that acrylic painting as much. Now, fast forward however many years after that experience in high school, um, and I've just found that painting is something that really allows me to go places mentally that I can't get to with working with textiles. So the, the rapidness of working with paints means I'm able to express these ideas and I'm able to capture them down on paper while they're still fresh in my mind. And so that's been something I've really wanted to um, start to do a lot more of. I've been wanting to give myself time to really explore painting more. But because of the nature of acrylic paints, they dry really fast. You can't really keep like a wet palette for very long. So you kind of have to like, you either have to be like working on your acrylic painting full time or you have to, I guess, waste a lot of paint. Um, And I just don't really have the space or the, um, the time to really work with acrylics. So I generally in the past or in the past few years have been working with watercolors. Um, watercolors, when the paint's dry, you can still reactivate them with water. Um, you can put away your watercolors and go back to that same palette later and just re-wet it. And so it makes it really easy to kind of pick up and put down. It also takes up a lot less space than acrylics. You know, there's a little watercolor palette and it has all these little, um, paints in there already. It's easy for me to jump into. Um, and so I've been working with that mostly, but I'm not really that good at watercolor. (laughs) Um, I'm just, just not really a skill that comes out naturally to me. Um, it's a little bit difficult for me to use. So I start, I was like, okay, I need to take a class on this. Um, and so I was looking around and I, you know, it was kind of on the back of my mind. Like I want to take a watercolor class, but I want to take it from somebody who has a similar, um, artistic vision as I do. Um, I don't want it to just be kind of a generic watercolor class. So then I found the work of Lindsay Stripling. And she teaches watercolor classes and gouache classes. And so I was going to sign up for one of her watercolor classes, but they were all sold out. But she had this gouache painting class um, that was not sold out. And I was like, oh, I think I remember gouache paints. So if you're not familiar with gouache, it's this like, it's sort of like... Watercolor in the sense that you can reactivate the paints when they've dried on the palette, but it also kind of has the qualities of acrylic because it is an opaque paint and you can paint it on really thickly. I mean, you don't, you're do not you not going to get like a three-dimensional effect like you would with acrylic, but you can cover up a background color with gouache, which is not something you can do with watercolor. And so kind of by accident, I started working with gouache paint um, and I had explored gouache paint in college. We used it for our color and design classes. Um, I u- used it a little bit in fashion illustration. Um, and so because of this workshop, I was like, okay, I'll go and spend the you know 20 bucks to get a little 12 pack of gouache paint tubes. And I've been loving it. It's just so much fun to play with. But as I am a kind of publicly facing artist and as I'm working with these new paints, um, this new sort of these new concepts and this new material, I had to kind of make a promise to myself that this would be a, a personal journey. This does not have to be something that other people are watching. So I decided that I would give myself six months to play with the materials, not having any other eyes on these pieces that I'm creating, and just allowing the process to inform my choices. And so I think that is where this whole idea comes in is like, instead of, you know, being like, hey, guys, (laughs) hey, everybody, look at the paintings that I made. And some people are like, oh, this part looks so cool. And then I want to do more of that thing, because I got some, you know, I got some support on that end, or Maybe nobody likes the post at all. And it's not has nothing to do with the actual paintings. It's just the Instagram algorithm. I'm not a painter. They're not showing people my paintings. They want to show people my textiles. So all of these things that kind of come together and become a part of the conversation that I'm having with my art um, in a public way that really don't need to. So by being able to explore this medium in private, um, being able to just do it on my own and be able to respond to what I'm seeing in front of me that I've already created, it just turns into a totally different relationship. So if you are exploring a new medium, feel free to let it be private, let it be this intimate thing and let it be this kind of slow journey. I mean, I still have the pieces up in my studio. Like if you come in my studio, you'll see the gouache paintings, but I'm not sharing them with the entire world. And I think that that can be really helpful. Another way to think about this creative intimacy is connecting deeper with an existing medium that we work with. So for example, if I wanted to start developing an embroidery, um, you know, practice that was like a little bit different, like, let's say I wanted to, I don't know, I'm just throwing something out here. I wanted to start embroidering cars. (laughs) A car just drove by, so I went with cars. I wanted to start embroidering cars. So I would kind of take that and and start developing these ideas um, on my own. I would say, what well, what if the cars are funny looking? What if the cars are in you know, weird shapes. What if I made these cars like this? And I would want to take that, give myself some time to explore these different ways of representing cars, even though it's a medium that I'm already working with, um, figuring out a way to explore that medium a little bit differently. And the same thing where I want to do that with an intimacy with the materials, where my process and what I am transforming in these pieces is based on my experience with the materials. It's not based on anybody else's experience watching me work with the materials. It is based entirely on my relationship and what them how the materials are responding to what I'm doing. Another thing I want to think about on the on this theme of creative intimacy, and this is something that like, I feel like I've shared this in my courses before. It's something that I kind of constantly come back to, but don't share your magic beans with the skeptic. (laughs) And this comes from the story of Jack and the Beanstalk, Where Jack gets these magic beans that he's, or Jack's supposed to take this cow and he's supposed to trade it for, I don't know, probably money or something like that. Something valuable in the eyes of uh, society. Jack trades this cow for magic beans. And so he comes home and he's like, look at the magic beans I got. I can't wait to plant these magic beans. And they're like, you're an idiot. Jack, what are you thinking? You just got duped, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we all know the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. Those were some magic beans. It may have been worth the, the you know, trading of a cow. It was totally worth it. He didn't get duped in the end. But um, this concept comes from a Tom Robbins quote, actually, which is never be afraid to trade your magic – never be afraid to trade your cow for some magic beans. Um, and that's just, you know, his whole concept is, like, we can always – have material things, but what, how often can we find ourselves sort of having an opportunity to interact with more imaginal realms? So back to my version of that, don't share your magic beans with a skeptic. Keep your, these ideas that you have, these like wanting to explore different areas, keep those to yourself or at least keep them within the community that supports your art. Even sometimes people that are very close to us that we love dearly, They just want us to be safe and they don't want us to waste our time or our money. And that is very sweet of them. And we can appreciate that of them. But we don't have to show them what we're doing if we know that that's how they're going to react to things. So if you're... I don't know, if your partner or one of your good friends tends to kind of like squash your ideas, don't show them the stuff. You know, it's that easy. You just don't have to talk to them about that thing. You don't have to show them that thing that you're working on. You don't even have to tell them that you're working on it. Um, And keeping that creative act safe and kind of keeping it protected from skeptical opinions is really how you can move forward with it. It really encourages you to continue building up your practice. Um, And so lastly, this is kind of a building off of the term intimacy. When we're thinking about creative intimacy, the last thing I want to think about is like, Maybe you can like make a date with your creative practice, you know, like turn down the lights a little, don't turn them around too much because you need to see, but turn down the lights a little, maybe, you know, light some candles, get some flowers, burn some incense, maybe put on some Isley Brothers or some Teddy Pendergrass and like smooth, you know, R&B to get in mood and really get yourself ready to get really intimate with your creative practice and this sort of like full attentive quality. And that's, that's what we do when we go on dates with people. That's why all of the, the incense and the music and all that is to be like, I am fully here with you. I'm fully attentive. And that is one of the most beautiful things we can do for another person. It's also one of the most beautiful things we can do for ourselves and that we can do for our own creative practice is to just fully invest the time and don't be kind of half here, half doing something else A lot of us maybe don't have the time to invest in it, but even if it's just a 20 minute date of like, I'm going to close the door and I'm going to, you know, burn these incense and take a few minutes to ground into the space. It can be so helpful and it can really help you to move into a new space in your creative practice. So that's sort of my concepts on uh, different ways of exploring this theme of creative intimacy. But basically, the majority of it is like, we don't need to share all of the artwork we make with others. Um, In fact, if you looked at any famous artist, they have piles and piles of work, most likely, that they have not shown to anybody. Because that work, those sketchbooks, those sketches are usually where all of everything gets sorted out. So what we see in the end are all these beautiful sketchbook pages or all these beautiful paintings or whatever it is. But the pages in between there, the ones that are actually, you know, us moving through information don't necessarily look all that great. And that's okay. That's like definitely part of the process. And so I want to support that, like that not Instagram ready visual (laughs) of making art. So um, if you have plans to get more intimate with some of your stitching, well, you're in luck because I have an advanced embroidery workshop and an applique and patchwork workshop coming up next month. Oh, And and I've also got fully customizable kits thanks to a partnership with this rad company, Maydell, um, they are stocking all the supplies and you're able to customize whatever you need with the kit. If you don't need a hoop, you don't need to buy the hoop. If you don't need the threads and you want to use your own threads, you don't need to buy the threads. You can add whatever you want to your kit. Um, they are really good at keeping the stock. <laughs> They're really good at keeping all of their supplies in stock. Um, and I'm not. So that's like really exciting. I'm really happy that they have been able to work with me on this. So um, I've linked them up in the show notes, but um Back to the workshops. So, these are brand new workshops taught live. Um, space is limited, but you will have access to the recording afterwards. So, if you want to know more, be sure to check out the workshops tab on my website. I've linked it up in the show notes as well. If you are signed up for my email newsletter, you've probably already hip to this. And if you haven't, then what are you waiting for? You get all sorts of free digital education, you get free patterns, free easings, all sorts of stuff when you sign up for the newsletter. So be sure to get on that. I don't know. I only send them out like once or twice a month, so don't think I'm going to spam you or anything. Um, so let's talk about the workshops. The Patchcraft Workshop, which is the applique and patchwork workshop. This is all about repurposing your fabric scraps into colorful and textural tapestries using both applique and patchwork techniques. So I'm going to be teaching methods for creating shapes and symbols using both hand stitching and the sewing machine. So you can, you know. Either way, if you have a sewing machine and you'd prefer to use it, prefer to work with these techniques that way, you'll learn how to do that. If you prefer hand sewing, we'll also learn that. So we'll learn hand applique, reverse applique, and machine applique, and patchwork techniques for nearly all shapes from squares to triangles, circles, um, and even how to plan for more precise compositions. Like some of the, if you if you're very familiar with my work, some of my older patchwork pieces are these like really precise geometrical forms kind of inter, interlinking with one another. And so I'm going to go over how I am able to do those as well. Um, and the advanced embroidery workshop is all about these like off the beaten path, not so basic stitches for expanding your thread vocabulary. And I'll be sharing some of my favorite techniques for filling areas, for padding areas, for weaving your stitches, couching, moving off the fabric with 3D stitches, all sorts of stuff. So if you already have a solid understanding of these basic embroidery stitches, you are going to love learning these slightly more advanced stitches. Um, They are based on chain stitch, backstitch, stem stitch, satin stitch, and I tried not to include too many like super time-consuming stitches. The weaving is a little bit time-consuming. But most of these stitches that I'm teaching move along quite quickly when you get into the flow of it. They have kind of a rhythm to them and that is why I use them frequently in my own work. And if you've already taken the Magic Threads workshop, then this is going to be the perfect follow-up class for kind of expanding on your embroidery. So that is it. I hope you have some time this holiday season to really have some like intimate, creative time with yourself and with your work. And um, yeah, I will be back in two weeks with a new episode and I'll talk to you then. All right. Have a good one. Enjoy whatever holiday you choose to celebrate this week. Um, I hope you have some time to yourself. Thanks so much. Bye.